grab your Bibles today and turn to Luke chapter 23. I'm going to start a new sermon series today that I'm going to preach this week and then next week, and then we're going to take Mother's Day, go a different direction, and then perhaps we're going to pick it back up again. And I'm excited about this series because I believe it's something all of us deal with, and it's the topic wounded but healed. And so we're going to talk about wounds that are internal, not the external kind, but the internal kind. So if you have your Bibles, or if you have a phone or tablet, can follow along there. If you're new to Grace, we're going to put these scriptures on the screen. You could follow there as well. Always encourage you, though, to bring your Bible, or at least be able to access it somehow. Here's what I want to talk to you about, something that all of us deal with, and it is the pain and the hurt that comes from internal wounds. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17. It says, a merry heart does good like medicine. But watch this. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. It dries the bones. And listen, we've focused on the first part of that verse. Maybe you've heard that before. Hey, a merry heart does good like a medicine. You see it on social media. Everybody loves that first part. But I'm telling you the second part of that verse is of extreme importance for us to understand that when we are broken spiritually, when we get wounded in our souls, it dries us up. It does something to it. It has an effect on our life that we can carry from season to season through every year of our life into every relationship of our life. And it's called a broken spirit. We get wounded. And here's what the devil does. Listen to me, church. At the very earliest opportunity... The devil brings hurt into our life. He brings pain into our life. I'm talking about even as a child. In fact, the truth is, is that in the womb, babies can sense pain. And I want to talk to you about something this week, next week, and then maybe perhaps even some further on weeks. I want to talk to you about the pain of rejection. It is something that all of us deal with on some level. And it affects everybody from every social background, from every economic background, everybody of every ethnicity and every culture. It is called rejection. In fact, Jesus himself dealt with it. Jesus, it was said about him, the stone, watch this, Psalms 118, the stone that the builders, what? rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus actually quoted that verse about himself. He told his disciples, I am going to be rejected. And I want us to look in the word of God at a particular portion of scripture that maybe we have looked at before, but we really haven't saw the depth of it And it is going back to the Easter story. We're going to go back to the crucifixion. We're going to go back to the cross. Jesus was beaten. There was a crown of thorns placed upon his back. There were whips that were put and stripes laid on his back. And he is brought before Pilate. Now watch this. And Pilate finds no fault in him. So Pilate says this, okay, at this time of year, it is a custom for us to release a prisoner. And he brings Jesus. Here he is covered in blood, covered in wounds. He brings Jesus before the crowd and he stands Jesus next to a murderer by the name of Barabbas. 
And he says to this crowd, this throng of people, he says, now I'm going to release somebody to you. You choose. Do you choose Jesus or do you choose Barabbas? Now watch this. I want you to look at this. Luke chapter 23, starting verse number 18. And they all cried out at once, away with this man and release to us Barabbas. Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. And Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them. He's astonished. He can't believe it. He calls out to them, but they shouted, saying, crucify him, crucify him. Now you have to understand what is going on in Jesus' mind at this moment as he's looking out at a crowd filled with people that he healed, that he taught, that he laid hands on and blessed their kids, that he literally fed fish and loaves too, that he performed miracle after miracle after miracle. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good and healing everyone who was oppressed of the enemy. And he's looking out at a crowd that he did nothing wrong to, that he did not hurt or offend in any way, and they're shouting back to him, crucify him. Now, when I tell you, church, that Jesus has walked through the pain of rejection, that Jesus has felt the sting and the hurt of having people turn their back on him, I'm telling you, Jesus has felt some pain now. We wash it over and we just kind of look at it. We just think, well, that's just part of the story. That was just God's will. That was just God's plan. Sure, it was God's plan for Jesus to go to the cross, but don't think for a moment he didn't feel rejection. Don't think for a moment that didn't hurt. Don't think for a moment he didn't feel the sting of that and that thing didn't bite him. Absolutely it did. That he's looking out at a crowd filled with people and he healed their sons and he healed their daughters and he, and he brought families back together and he taught them how they're supposed to live and how they're supposed to act and he fed them and he blessed them and all of a sudden they turn on him and they say, give us the murderer? Come on now. And I'm here to tell you that at the very earliest opportunity, the devil tries to hit you with rejection. And listen to me, rejection is a weapon of mass destruction. And it is affecting men, and it is affecting women, and it is affecting families and teenagers and kids, and they're feeling the pain of this thing, and they carry it through seasons of their life, and it is called rejection. The enemy wants you to experience it firsthand. Huh? And when you didn't make the team, that's rejection. And when you didn't get the part in the play, that's rejection. When you had people talk about you, make fun of you, that's rejection. When your parents didn't show up at your game, that hurts, and that's rejection. And for most kids, when their parents divorce... That hurts. That's rejection. I take my kids to school and there's these little yard signs on the side of the road. And I pass by this one yard sign all the time. I just cannot believe it. It says this, divorce, $69. 
And I think to myself, who in their right mind thinks that divorce cost $69? There's no calculating. Did you hear me, church? I said there is no calculating the cost of divorce. And God forgives And God's able to restore, and I understand that there's circumstances where people walk away and there's nothing you could do about that. So I'm here to tell you, God's a God of grace and God's a mercy, but listen, kids are not as resilient as you think they are. They're not as tough as you think they are. And I remember talking to a grown person, I'm telling you, that was in leadership at a Christian church. And I was talking to them, and all of a sudden, they began to talk about their parents' divorce, and they were married with grown kids of their own, and they were in a great marriage, and they had great kids. And the moment they started talking about their parents' divorce, they just absolutely broke down in tears. Still, all these years later, over 30 years later, still carrying the hurt of that because the enemy comes in and says, oh, if you were just a better kid, if you were a better son, if you were a better daughter... And rejection comes in. And you think, why didn't my father love me? Why didn't my mother love me enough to work it out, to stick it out? And at the earliest opportunity, and now through social media, listen, a kid will post something, and if they don't get enough likes, and and if they don't get enough response, all of a sudden they feel the pain of that rejection. And it is this weapon of mass destruction that is affecting our society. And one of the great, great tragedies of rejection is when we underestimate the effect that it has on us. You know, there's a scripture in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse number 14 says this. It says that my people are not treating the wounds as if they're serious. Watch this. It says they're saying, and he's talking to leaders here. They're saying peace, peace. But really, there's not peace. In other words, you could kind of say it like this. They're putting band-aids on bullet holes. And the things that should be taken way more seriously, they're thinking, hey, it's really not that big a deal. And I'm here to tell you, no, 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 it is a big deal. People carry these hurts. They carry this rejection. They get somebody to break up with them. They get somebody not to hire them or fire them. And all of a sudden, they carry those wounds throughout their lifetime. And there is an effect that it has on us. There's, there is, there is a, a, a hurt. There is a pain. And they bring it into every relationship they have. They bring it every, every business that they start, every transaction that goes out. They're still dealing with that hurt. And God says the tragedy of it all is when we think that those things are not serious. You don't treat cancer the way you treat the cold. Do you hear me? And every one of us, every one of us deals with rejection. We have either dealt with it in our past, we're going to deal with it on our future, or we are dealing with it right here, right now. And I know I was in first service and I was preaching and I saw people just wiping tears from their eyes when I started talking about the pain of rejection because the minute I start talking about a parent who, who just was indifferent, I start talking about a father or a mother who was never there or, or just some kind of relationship in their life, the, the, the pain just immediately comes to the forefront and that's the enemy's plan. 
And listen, the devil doesn't want you healed. He wants you wounded. Huh? And I want to talk to you over this week and and next week and perhaps even further on about how do we get over that? How do we get over that hurt? How do we get over somebody walking out of our life? How do we get over the pain of that thing? Huh? How do we not have that affect us and, and not bring that into every relationship? How, how do we just be able to, to just survive it, right? And I've got some good news for you today. How many of you want good news? I can see your faces. You want some good news. Say, Pastor, please. Please give me some good news. I, I've, got, I've got good news for you. Every one of us deals with it, including Jesus. And if Jesus, who was perfect, if Jesus, who never did anything wrong, if Jesus, who never sinned, never had an impure thought, never had a wrong motive of any kind, never treated people unkindly, never was indifferent, if Jesus lived that way and still dealt with rejection, what makes us think that we're going to be able to go through life and not deal with it. But the good news is this. There's a reality that comes with rejection. Huh? There's a reality that comes with rejection. And the reality of rejection is this. Rejection really says more, huh, about their vision than it says about your value. I want you to catch this. Reality of rejection is this. When we are rejected, it says less about our value than it does their vision. Because after all, Jesus was rejected. And if Jesus was rejected, who'd never done anything wrong, maybe it wasn't about him. It was about those who rejected him. Come on now. Huh? Because here's what the enemy tries to do to us. He tries to get us to feel the sting and the pain of rejection and then look in the mirror and say, what's wrong with me? I mean, what's wrong with me? Why, why, couldn't, they, why couldn't they receive me? Why couldn't they, why couldn't they just love me? Why couldn't they just stay with me? But the truth is, it's really not about you. It's about them. Hallelujah. I said it's about them. Listen, my wife and I know what this is like. We, I don't have any sob stories to tell. I don't. I, I mean, we have, I, I love ministry. I love my job. It's my dream job. I'm happy. I, I've got nothing but good stories to tell. But I'm telling you right now, we have had people walk out of our life. By the, by the dozens, I could probably go into the hundreds, 25 years of ministry. We've had people that have been over our house. They've had dinner with us. We've been over their house. We've had people vacation with us. We were so close, we would vacation. Their kids and, and our kids were the same. And they have walked away from us, and we've never heard from them again. I had one couple, they left this church. I have yet to ever talk to the guy, and we went on vacation together. He walked out of our life and was gone. Gone. 
We found out through social media that some people move away. That's how we found out. They're coming to church one week. They're in another state, living in a whole other state the next. Oh, you never told us you're moving. No, it's just gone. And we know what that's like. Now, we've had it happen so many times, right? But that doesn't mean that it's been deep. Some of you have carried some deep wounds. Maybe you haven't been hurt often, but you've really been hurt deep. You've really been hurt deep. And those, are the, those of you I want to talk to today, I want to talk to you about those deep wounds. I want to talk to you about that deep hurt and that deep rejection. And I want to speak to your life and just begin to tell you, first of all, it is not about your value. It's about their vision. And what really happens to us is that it's not that when the strangers walk away from us, the people that we hardly know, it's when the people that are so close to us that we thought you should be caring and you should be loving and this person should have had my back and and this person should have been the one that when I was going through the mess, they should have been the one that was right next to me. But yet when you needed them the most, they walked out. Huh? In fact, David dealt with this in Psalm 55. Here's what he said. Watch this. He said this, if it had been an enemy, been an enemy who rejected me, if been an enemy who turned it back on me, if been an enemy who attacked me, I could take it from an enemy. But it wasn't an enemy. It was you. It was a close friend. It was somebody that I confided in, somebody that I thought was there for me. Somebody that told me that they loved me. Somebody that told me that they would be there. And when I needed them the most, when I needed them the most, if it had been a stranger, an enemy, I could take it. But it was you. And watch what he says. We went to church together. We went to church together. And let me tell you, there's something about friendly fire. Huh? No, it's not, it's not the devil just coming blatant and it's just, you could see that it's some attack from some, some place that you didn't even see it coming. I mean, just so out there and it's just a stranger talking about you. It's a stranger that's, that's, that's saying these things to you and, and no, 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 it's somebody that was close to you. Huh? It's friendly fire. It's when somebody that that you thought was on your team and you thought, hey, man, they're going to be there for you in good times and bad times. But yet when you needed it, it wasn't there. How do we get over that kind of hurt? How do we get over the hurt that comes from a parent that should have been there and and should have been loving? How do we get over the hurt that comes from from a son or from a daughter walking away when you you did everything for them? They rejected you. I'm here to tell you, it's not about your value. It's about their vision. Watch this, watch this. In the book of Ruth, it starts off by telling the story of a woman named Naomi. Naomi has two sons, and they marry girls. And one's named Ruth, and the other one's named Orpah. The sons die tragically, and here is Naomi. She has also lost her husband. So she's a widow, and she's got these two ladies. 
And she says to the ladies, go back to your homeland. Go back to your people. I'm old. I'm not going to have any more sons. And even if I do, are you going to wait around for them? Just go. And she just releases them and just says, go, right? And here's what it says in, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. That Orpah kissed her. They wept and she walked away. But watch this. Ruth clung to her. Huh? And let me tell you, I learned this truth. I heard it and it just liberated me. If people can walk away from you, let them walk. Hmm. That was worth the gas that it took, the time, getting dressed this morning. If people can walk away from you, let them walk. Let them go. You've had people in your life, and I have too. We try to cling to them. We still send them emails and text messages. Hey, what's up? And listen, they want nothing to do with you. Let them go. And you're still holding on to it because you're thinking, surely they still love you. Surely they're still going to be there for you. And I'm here to tell you that their part in your life, their part in your story is over. Turn the page. Move on. Let them go. When I learned this truth, who it liberated me. Amen? We have to learn not to try to cling to people who are walking away. Listen, if you have to talk somebody into loving you, come on now. If you have to talk somebody into staying with you, if you have to talk somebody into being with you, they're not with you. Oh, hallelujah. Let them go and cling to those who cling to you. Come on now. Hold on to those who hold on to you. And here's what happened. It's not that Orpah is a bad person. It's just that, listen, it's what happened. She walked away. We move on. And, but, but she didn't see the value in Naomi. She looked at him. She looked at Naomi and said, okay, I don't see any value there. There wasn't anything wrong with Naomi. Huh? But here's what happened. Ruth looked at Naomi and looked at the exact same person. She saw Something different, though. She didn't see the same thing as Orpah. Orpah didn't see anything, but Ruth looked at her and said, Hey, your God's going to be my God. Your people is going to be my people. And where you go, I'm going to go. And she clung to Naomi. And when she clung to Naomi, her life opened up. Her life expanded. Her life increased. Why? Because she saw value in Naomi when Orpah didn't. And if nobody sees value in you, move on. Ooh, hallelujah. Move on, right? And you say, well, pastor, but, but we were close. We, we, we did things together. Yeah, but if they don't want any part of you now, let them go. Mm, I preach this to myself about every week. <laughs> every week. Maybe not that often. But I just go, listen, I'm just going to cling to those who cling to me. I'm just going to be there for those who are there. That's it. 
And if somebody walks away, listen, that means that they were not meant to be here because if God wanted them here, then God would have them here. And if they're necessary for my life, guess what? If I'm in the will of God and I'm in the plan of God, then God is going to get them in my life. I'm tired of trying to get people to cling when God is saying, let go. Oh, hallelujah. Let them go. Let them go. It doesn't mean that I'm any less valuable. Amen? Cynthia's going to be here next week. Hallelujah. That's it. I know she's going to be here. I can't speak to anybody else, but she's going to be here. I make her come. No, she's, she, she comes because she wants to. But it's true of your life, too. If you didn't have a parent, man, if they walked out, if they didn't see the value in you, uh, listen, it hurts. I'm not minimizing the damage. Do you hear me now? I'm telling you how we're going to move on. And I can't get you to the other places. I can't talk to you about how to overcome all the other stuff unless you first learn this truth. You are valuable. There's a God in heaven who would never walk out on you. There's a God in heaven who sees so much value in you, he clings to you. He says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He sees in you what nobody else sees in you. When you are at your worst, when you absolutely think the most horrendous, horrible thoughts, when you have done your absolute dirtiest deed, God still loves you incredibly. He's still there with you. He's still for you. And he will never, ever leave you. You have to know it. You have to see the value in it. You've got to look in the mirror and go, hey, good looking. Come on now. You're getting better looking every day. Woo. Amen. Not because you're anything special, just because there's a God in heaven who loves you so much. He's so crazy in love with you that no matter what you do, no matter how many times you fall, he says to you, get back up, clean yourself off, learn the lesson, but you move on. And if nobody else moves on with you, I'm there with you every step of the way. Somebody say, hallelujah. Amen. You've got to value yourself because I promise you, if you don't value yourself, very few people will raise it. They're really going to raise the value of you. You better learn how to value yourself. Amen? And say, I'm loved by God. I've had people walk out. You've had people walk out. I've had people hurt me. You've had people hurt you. I've had people reject what I have to offer. I've had people reject me. I get it. So have you. Some of you are a lot more deeper than me. Huh? But here's how we move on. Here's how we take the next step. We look to heaven and we say, okay, there's a God. And he is my father. My earthly father, my earthly mother, they may have walked away. My brothers and sisters, my kids, I may have had everybody walk away from me, but I know at the end of the day there's going to be one 
that is still with me and he is going to cling to me no matter what I've done, no matter what my past looks like, no matter how many mistakes I've made, God is crazy in love with me and he's always going to be there for me. And listen, it's not about my value. It's about their vision and I am shaking the dust off of my feet. Come on now. And I am moving on with God because me and him are going to go forward. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. I'm going to ask Mark to come. I want to pray with you. And let me tell you, I have wrestled over how to pray. After preaching this sermon, I have wrestled with it. Because I've said, you know what? I just said you can't put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. And I don't for one minute want to think that I could just preach one message or, or even a series of messages and just get you there, right? But I do think that that we need to take one step forward and then another step forward and then another step forward. Yes, the Holy Spirit can do in a moment what I could never do in a lifetime, but you have to be ready. You have to be ready. Amen? You have to be willing to say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready. And if you don't see the value in yourself, you don't see that God loves you and, and in spite of what everybody else has done, Especially those, listen, especially those closest to us. Huh? If you don't see that it's a God in heaven who's so crazy in love with you, then I understand the hurt and the pain. But nobody understands it quite like Jesus. Because he stood there on a balcony, bleeding, covered in blood looking out at people that he had done everything right to and they yelled back give us the murderer give us the give us the vile one you take that man and you crucify him it's unbelievable